Okay. So, well, yeah. Is everybody saying it? No, I'm talking about Liam Neeson's actual statement. Because he said, uh, he said that he found out that after he found out someone close to him had been raped, Neeson told the Independent. His immediate reaction was, "I asked, did she know who it was? No. What color were they? She said it was a black person." Neeson said he went up and down areas with a kosh, a blood instrument, yeah. hoping I'd be approached by somebody. I'm ashamed to say that, and I did it for maybe a week, hoping some black bastard would come out of a pub and have a go at me for something so I could kill him. He, at that, he's admitting that he just wanted to kill a black person because of what yeah, happened. Which sure. is really fucked up. It is really fucked up. It was horrible. Horrible when I think back that I did that, and I've never admitted that, he added. Defending himself on Good Morning America on Tuesday, Neeson said the race of the attacker, attacker was irrelevant. If the victim had said an Irish, Scott, Brit, I know I would have felt the same way. I was trying to show honor and stand up for my dear friend in this medieval fashion. It shocked me when I realized the terrible things I said. Luckily, no violence occurred. Thanks be to God. Also, the actor also said he did seek help at the time by speaking to a priest and power walking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are like if these are things that had to get you through this. Office, I mean, that's the thing that like the, the thing that pisses me off with people now is like, yeah, it happened. But people, but people, what people are doing is they're looking at this whole situation and they're putting all of that forty years ago into today's society. People like, will forget a, about this shit next week. So, I mean, that's the thing. They that, will, but it's also, like, ruining his life for a second, even though he opened up to talk about it's it. It's not ruining his life. I mean, he's, apparently he still went to the premiere. They just didn't have a red carpet for it. Wow. Crazy. I just... Like I said, I think this will be over. This is the same thing with that Morgan Freeman shit when, like... Oh, yeah, when the, he fucked his granddaughter? No. <laughs> is that what it was? Didn't he fuck his granddaughter? There's, like, a rumor. This never been substantiated, but, like, there's a rumor of that. Like, oh. I mean, the thing where, like, uh, like when he was, like sexually verbally harassing that interviewer with like Michael Caine and like someone else was with him oh I don't remember he made a comment about like uh, something something sexual was Michael Caine like uh, I mean I'd rhyme you just to show that I'm not a faggot no he punched him actually oh really yeah he was was, was like wow but I mean like that was like a big deal for like Five minutes, and yeah, then nobody. That's and this true. is the. I think the same things that happened with this Liam Neeson thing. He said it forty fucking years ago. Who gives a shit? He's is he, if he not even hate, not even said it. If he, he did it, if he doesn't hate blacks now, fucking. I don't know. I don't know. But apparently he's a racist fuck, and you can never. Dude, Rodney King fucking forgave the cops that beat him up. But people forget about that because no one knows what Rodney King is today. Black people do. <laughs> Black people do because. Of course, black people know Martin Luther King Jr. They also know Greg or Dick Gregory. They know Moms Mabley, like Nardos was saying. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like white people who are trying to be like, well, I'm a good white person, don't know who either of those guys are. Yeah. Or uh, the guy and the girl. Yeah, I just, I don't know. This whole, I, just fucking getting offended after the fact thing is just... You because that's there. the easiest thing to do. That to defend yourself and try to seem like you're the greatest person on earth is shit on everybody else that you deem as like offensive. Really, we're looking at actions from 40 years ago that someone's... I don't know. Whatever. This will be all cut. I'm not going to put that in. I think it was a good conversation. Should we? I mean, it kind of just jumps into the middle of it. I'd leave it in. I think it's a good conversation. We're talking about Liam Neeson, everybody. Everyone hates Liam Neeson for no reason. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason. There's a reason. 40 years ago. We need to stop this fucking... Hey, I am Mike Logan. I'm Garrett Elzinga. And And this this better better be be good. good. You know what it is. It's a weekly podcast where Garrett and I watch a movie before seeing it and review it. Correction, where Garrett and I review a movie before seeing it, then we watch it. How'd you say it? Then I... we review it again afterward. I said, we watch a movie and review it before seeing it. Oh, hey oh, <laughs> Yeah, that's fucked up. Uh, this week, we're, we're doing uh, the Netflix original, quote-unquote, Roma, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, uh, the acclaimed director of such great films as Gravity and um, Children of Men. Ooh, um, really good. Fucking Children of Men's a great movie. Um, but we are talking about, we were talking, having a little convo about Liam Neeson. If you haven't heard, Liam Neeson got into some controversy. I think you heard me describe all, read everything. Um, I think I got it all, yeah. Um, tell us what you think in the comment section below about this whole thing, because I, Garrett and I, I think are on the same page. I think we both are looking at it, obviously, from different perspectives. But I think we're both on the same page where, I think we're both sick of this whole, like, after-the-fact anger stuff. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, what he said, what he what he thought was a terrible thought. But I fucking dare anybody who 
hates Liam Neeson now or wants to digitally remove him from films, I dare them to ever tell me that they've never had a racist thought yeah. or never had a revenge thought or ever had a thought of things like that. You're so fucking high and mighty by saying, well, he thought that once? Mm. Uh, let's digitally erase him for Men in Black because I was going to see that movie and now I'm not going to see it now. Yeah, like, it's just the idea it's that... It's a fucking thought. We have thoughts. People think about inappropriate shit every single and that, day. And that is because of, uh, that's, you know, that's... Uh, evolutionary monkey behavior it's basically like just the involuntary thought of the fight or flight thing yeah i really think that's what it is and people are so afraid of that which is funny because uh most people are not most people but like a lot of the people that are talking about this shit today are like religious list people so they should be closer to the idea of evolution so they shouldn't be afraid of these kind of thoughts. Yeah. But they're the most afraid of them, which is very ironic to me. Well, I mean, the thought the thought of anything inappropriate is something... It's human nature to have thoughts of things. Yeah. The, the line is when you don't act on it. If yeah. you don't act on it, you're a decent <clears throat> human being. If you do, you're probably a piece of shit. Liam Neeson didn't... He, tr- he wanted to. He didn't but find a black happened. person to beat up. But, yeah, I mean, but uh, then the same thing is like if it was you know if it was a if it was a white guy he would have been doing the same thing. Like, but then you wonder said. too if he would have actually run into a black person would he have done it? That's the other question we don't know. The oh, answer to. I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's like Charles Bronson in. Uh, that's the thing too about Charles Bronson in uh, Death Wish, the original Death Wish. Mm-hmm. That movie is shit. I watched it yeah. because we were gonna go see the new one with Bruce Willis. Death, Death Sentence is Death, uh, Death Sentence is fucking amazing because he actually finds the people that did it. Yeah. Death Wish is a fucking lackluster shit storm because he goes on a vengeance spree of not killing the people that uh, killed his wife and raped his daughter. But he goes on to like you know fight other crime, quote unquote. But it's like people mugging him and stuff like. Also, that. is the fact it's, that Liam it's crazy. Neeson, is the fact that Liam Neeson wanted to get revenge on somebody who's close to him that was wrong surprising Taken. to any of us? It's fuck. Of course, he literally gets paid to do it on screen. We can watch him do it in movies, and we're told he fucking I, he I, like went to another country and killed a bunch of like their people because yeah. his daughter got kidnapped but he thinks about doing it in real life we're like wait a minute I mean yeah. I guess obviously we separate I mean, art from well the idea too yeah well <laughs> I can't separate art I just love the but, idea uh, Woody that. Allen is the best director ever uh, no he's not yeah, the best director true, but uh, made some great movies so no the uh, the point I was going to make was that um, the question that, that was asked and this is the reason he had that reply was because they were like what, what's your inspiration like how do you get into that mindset for the, mm. the Taken movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he explained that story. And then they're like, we don't like that answer. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck else? Do you, I mean, that's literally the plot of the movie. Yeah. It's I crazy I just think people need to fucking relax. The guy had a, a fucking shitty racist thought 40 years ago. He's remorseful. For it. He, he sought help for it. It's over. Well, fucking... that's that just goes to show that there is no rehabilitation. No, not anymore. No, no one Doesn't believes exist it anymore. Nope, there's none. Uh, if you're if you're a sex cr- uh, maniac or whatever, like Kevin Spacey. I mean, Kevin Spacey, one of the craziest people. Clearly, well, we don't know that thing. His, but we don't know that he sought help. He didn't seem to even regret what happened. So no, I mean, I think he. I think that was more of like a um, along the lines of like court ordered. I think the big shit. the big problem that I have with all these like the sex matter things is like they show, they show no Harvey Weinstein never even apologized. Oh yeah, like well, they show no remorse for the well, things. Well, he's always been a piece of shit. Liam Neeson all obviously regrets what happened and he sought help and the guy has become a rehabilitated person. Fucking give him the benefit of the doubt. This this message mainly goes out to the black community. I don't think white people have much of a problem with this story as black people do, but I see a lot of black oh, people. I that think just a lot of social them. justice warrior they white people. Fucking, I know. She is on a fucking rag and rub it in their own faces. So I need was, to be the voice for the under blood. I'm just like, so wow, sick of white okay, people. Dear dear white people, let us be outraged about the shit for us. We don't need you to tell us your opinion on how we should feel about these and kind I, of things. I love too that now that Twitter exists and like I mean, you know, not to be not to sound racist, but you guys do have a voice now, like, yeah. especially with social media and shit. And there's still social justice white people that are like, "Let me speak on behalf of black people." That was like that fucking like, what had, the fuck that is was your like that, that tweet where that woman, uh, I think I did a bit about it. That tweet where that woman posted on Twitter it said, "Attention, white people, we have to stop using black people reaction gifts." Because that is digital white, or digital blackface. Oh my! And I'm just like, God. and it's like you're a white woman telling a bunch of other white people what's offensive to black people. Yeah, that's offensive. That's, stop it. That's racist. Fucking stop. Oh jeez. So Roma, everybody, directed yeah. by uh, Academy Alfonso Award winner Cuaron. Alfonso Cuarón. Garrett, quick question: What's your favorite? Do you, do you like Harry Potter? Uh, ish. 
I'm not a big fan, but I've watched, all the movies? I've watched them all. What's yeah. your favorite one? Um, Prisoner of Azkaban. Directed by Alfonso Cuarón. I know it was! <laughs> fucking greatest. I, when people ask me how good of a director Alfonso Cuarón is, I asked them what their favorite Harry Potter film, and the answer is almost always Prisoner, Prisoner of Azkaban. Azkaban. It's like, because well, that time, that time thing is just so fucking cool. Dude, he's The way so he does cool. it, and the, like the, that's the one where Harry breaks his arm, right? Uh, yeah. Like the, yeah, it's all wobbly, weeb- yeah, yeah, yeah. weebly, wobbly, timey one. But, um, yeah, uh, Children of Men, which is probably one of the most underrated films. I feel like a lot of people, it's never on their top, you know, 20 lists no, of movies of all time, really but it good. should be. Just, if not just alone for the guy's penchant for long takes. And anybody who's listened to the show before knows I just jizz my pants over long takes. He does. I've seen it. <laughs> and, like, he's just great at him. He, he did it in Gravity. The first 13 minutes of the movie Gravity is one long take. Um, there's that scene in Children of Men where they're getting ambushed in the car by all these people beset on each side by motorcycle madmen and people with machine guns and it's all one take and it weaves in and out of the car and Julianne Moore, Julianne Moore dies in that scene so you'll love, you'll love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and, um, also, Michael Caine's in that movie. He is. That's a fucking, he's just a great director. He's got great vision. He tells great stories. He builds great characters. I'm pretty excited about Roma. A lot of people ask me if I've seen Children of Men. <laughs> I have not. But I've seen the house that Jaws Revenge built. <laughs> I was like, you gonna finish it? <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, I Garrett, love doing what are you my, looking for? I love to? doing my Michael Caine impression. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's right. Um, I'm. I don't know. It's black and white. That's the thing. We're looking at the uh, the thing right now because it's on Netflix. I don't know if people understand how hard it is to shoot in black and white. Oh, it's very difficult. I mean, it's so hard because you have to. The lighting is so completely different when you're shooting black and white yes. than you're shooting in color. Uh, color is like you can immediately see. You know, yeah. So the light goes here, like goes here. Black and white. It's like you gotta fucking. You gotta light it from different angles. You gotta. You, yeah, you have you to gotta light gotta it really... conscious of the fact that you're only you're only getting two real colors. Yep. Gray and fucking lighter gray. Fifty Shades <laughs> of Gray, everybody. Yeah, we gotta beat this movie to submission. This movie has been nominated for a whole buttload of Oscars. I think it's Netflix's first big Oscar contender. I think I did find out why it was nominated. It was because it had a limited run in theaters. Well, yeah, Netflix bought it at Sundance. Yeah. Um, but it also was limited run. So it's like, it's Netflix. Well, there's no rule against Netflix movies being in the uh, um, oh, oh nominated. Steven Spielberg just tried to shut it down. Yeah, like Netflix, obviously Netflix hasn't had a lot of things that have been nominated. There's no rule against it. I think it's just the Academy's very old. Well, wasn't it like Beasts of Southern, uh, Beasts of, Beast of No Nation, or what was it called? Beasts of the, the Southern the, Wild? The Eater's Elbow one? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't get nominated No, anything, but, but people, people were like, for that should be nominated. I've never watched that, but it's I supposed to be either. really good. Um, well, maybe a future episode. Garrett, how do you feel about foreign language films? I uh, love them. I think they're great. Uh, I wish that I could speak the uh, the foreign language. That's the thing with me is like I feel like I need to watch each one twice because I wish that I could speak the language so mm-hmm. I don't have to read the words. Because then when you're reading the words, you're taking away from the performance that the person is giving. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one thing that bums me out. Yeah, uh, I but agree I also don't want to listen to the fucking the audio tracks that people put on there where it's just like they put it like if we put this on I think there's all, all alternate audio so like a dumb version yeah and it's just oh, like really? ooh fucking gross like I, I accidentally watched a movie uh, one, one time you accidentally watched an entire with movie with the dubbed I was like <laughs> why this looks awful because it's like all those uh, you know those 70s um, Asian films oh like like the old Jackie Chan movies where they would yeah. but they would speak English but it would still be dubbed over you ever seen those like like uh like all the police story movies and stuff? Oh no, I thought they were actually speaking, you know, Chinese or whatever. No, like if you watch their mouths, like they're mouthing they're mouthing the words in English, but it's also dubbed over, which that makes is... it look really weird. Oh, that's why it's so fucking weird. Yeah, like there's a lot of old Jackie Chan movies that are like that. And Jackie Chan, we've heard, still doesn't speak English that well. But I mean Well, he's eighty nine years old. He is so. he's like he's like, at this point, I don't care. Um, yeah, offensive. <laughs> actually uh did that joke uh, in Detroit last weekend, and then somebody was like, "Do the joke," or I started telling another joke, and then people laughed, and then some guy was like, "Do that joke, but in an Asian accent." <laughs> That's funny. And then I was like, "It's such a good mood." I was like, "Okay," and so I did. <laughs> it was a joke about a fucking um, the one, the story about my racist grandfather. Oh yeah. They wanted me to tell that story in an Asian accent. And like Jeez. the best part about it was I didn't realize because like there's a point when I say obviously me being a black man, but then I said it in an Asian. I was like, obviously me being a black man. Oh, <laughs> there's, like, there's so many racist layers to that statement. It is funny how that like that that accent is like people are like that's racist, but really funny. It's because it's the one accent. It like, is. It's like the joke. It's the, the one you can get away with, and it's it's funny. Well, you can't get away with it. 
That's not that's, anymore. That's the the joke that I have. The one I had on on Reddit was like, um, in Asian accents, the only thing that the better you are at it, the more offensive it gets. Oh, that's funny. Because if you do a really good Asian accent that sounds like an Asian person, people think it's racist. Which is bullshit. Because if you if you if you are doing that's the thing too is like if you are doing a, that's the okay let me start over that's the thing that I love about stand up is like if you're actually so I have I have a joke I'm trying to do right now about how my girlfriend and I we were at a hotel and then uh, she was talking about how cold it was you've heard this joke mm-hmm. right uh, how cold it was and now I'm just doing jokes on the podcast <laughs> Uh, she's talking about how cold it was. She's like, oh, it's so cold. I hate it here. It's so cold. And she doesn't actually have an accent, so I don't give her an accent. Mm-hmm. The moment that the elevator doors open, an older Asian lady gets out. She's easily like five foot, super tiny, wearing pink clothes. Like, it's just laminated clothes. It's crazy. She's out of a movie. Mm-hmm. She says to us, looks at both of our faces and goes, oh my God, it's so cold out here. What is that? And... It sounds so offensive, but that's actually how she sounded. Well, that's the thing about, like, if you go... And, peop- and I know people will hear that joke and be like, oh, I don't know if I should laugh. It's like, no, that's those how people, she sounded. Those people have never been in an Asian household or been to an Asian country. No. Because that's what they fucking sound like. If I if I was just like, oh my god, it's so cold out here. It if I did sounds, that, it still sounds like then Asian that's part. offensive because that's not how she fucking sounded. Yeah, the, the thing is, like, Asian accents are really, really thick. Like, they, they sound... They really are. They sound very foreign. And, like, a lot of accents... I think the problem may be... Like, oh, you, hero! That's like what an Asian... Like, the Asians... It depends on the Asian, though. Have you ever seen that video? My favorite video... Russians don't do that. My favorite video... Well, okay. Technically Asian. Hey! My favorite video is there's a video on YouTube uh, where a fucking... Uh, an a, a K-pop singer, like a Korean, you know, pop singer... Oh, they're Who was awful. like... Who speaks, like, fluent English. Like, she's like... Has an English accent, and um, not English is an uh, American accent. She yeah. has an American accent. And when she goes to Korea to like promote for the shows, she, she has to Korean do accent. a Korean accent. Mm-hmm. And like you watch her do it, and like she'll talk normally, and then they'll be like, "Oh, and they can't, excuse me." And then she'll like add like you know the, the hair like that stuff to it. <laughs> oh my god! And then they understand her because their accent is really that thick. Yeah. Like they really their R's like their L's sound like R's. Like that's just really. Yeah. But then people hear it and they're like, oh, that's offensive. That's ra- It's not racist. How they fucking sound. Yeah. I can do any accent and nobody gives a shit. And if it's, but I do one Asian accent, it's like, it's not racist. Well, yeah, I mean, that's because. Liam Neeson, uh, you guys. Yeah, I mean, this is a very politically charged episode. But yeah, anyway, so I love, I love that, uh, that Asian, the, the Asian lady. That lady was so sweet. So great. yeah. I turned to my girlfriend after that and I go, wow, that's you from the future. That's the big punchline because they both hated how cold it was. So yeah, Roma. Oscar winner Alfonso Cuaron delivers a vivid, emotional portrait of a domestic worker's journey set against domestic and political turmoil in 1970s Mexico. Don't put domestic twice in one sentence of your yeah, fucking synopsis, you guys. That's awful. Way to go, Netflix. Um, but yeah, the movie, it's a it's pretty much a blue-collar tale about a woman trying to make it in 1970s Mexico. Um this movie's supposed to be very visually stunning, which is what I'm looking forward to. I'm really looking forward to... He's got a great eye. I've already said that. Yeah. Um, I'm not personally a big fan of really dramatic films. Oh, I mean, I am, but in the right uh, mood. And I'll be honest, I watching it in my living room, I'm not. Uh, on the biggest TV possible, also not. It's a very large but, TV. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, it'll, be, it'll be good to look at. Uh... <laughs> I think it'll be a great movie. I'm just, I'm not like, I'm, I'm so focused on all the other things that I have to do right now. Uh, so that's. Uh, I'm pretty hungry, so I'm just focusing on leaving here and getting some food afterwards. Okay, well, you got two hours and fifteen minutes. You guys have two minutes and thirty, fifteen seconds. Uh, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, so Garrett, arbitrary old rating before we go into this here bad boy of a film. I'm gonna give it eight tomatoes. Tomatoes. Romas. Oh, those are good tomatoes. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. I'm a San Marzano guy. Oh, I never heard of those. Third time. Are you going to give it eight San Marzanos? <laughs> I think it's going to be good. Um, uh, I might get bored. Like, I'm just like a, like, like I said, I'm not overly dramatic stuff. I'm just like, meh. There will be blood never, I like, but I mean, that's also still kind of tense. I'm never Ooh. bored. Um, I'm just, like, I, oh, God. Okay. I'm just not in the mood. Right. I'm not in the mood. Like I'm, I'm pretty happy and jovial and like. This might depress the fuck out of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
We might have to get some pizza or something. Um, we could order one. I think we should order a pizza. Oh, that sounds fun. All right. All right. All right, we're going to have a real mandate while you guys are listening to, uh, to this ad. I'm going to give this movie, um, uh, let's go with, uh, I'm going to go seven and a half. I'm going to keep it tempered for now. Okay. I'm going to go seven and a half. Uh, this movie's two hours, 15 minutes long out of ten. Don't forget, it's also Oscar nominated for Best Picture. So what else is it going up against? All the other movies we saw and The Favorite. Ooh, doggy. Favorite was good. I like The Favorite. Yeah, I still think about that and how much. Like, You know who loved The Favorite? Joe List. I mean, interesting. We talked about it. He loved huh. it. What did, did he? Did you tell him that I didn't? I told him that you thought it was okay. Okay. What did he say? That He's was crazy. Yeah, I don't think he acknowledged it actually. Oh yeah, he he doesn't like to acknowledge me. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, the uh, uh, I was thinking this Nocturnal Animals. Did you see that one with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah, I did not. Holy was shit! Was that the one with the the photographer one, the movie one? The, t- the, t- the no, that's Nightcrawler. Oh. I love that you did photography. The tick, tick, tick. It's like you're, you're, put, you're moving your finger, <laughs> like you're taking a flight. Uh, no, um, Nocturnal Animals. It was with him and um, Amy Adams, and it's all about um, them breaking up, and then him writing a, uh, I think it's a book mm-hmm. or a, a screenplay or something like that, but for her, and it's inspired by their breakup. And as she's reading it, it's like destroying her life because of how fucking brutal it is so the movie like cross cuts between her reading it her life and then the movie or book coming to life mm-hmm. and it's like when i watched it um one of the things i was thinking is like yeah it's kind of like white people problems and then at the other time i was just like oh no like everyone gets raped like that happens in the thing and then uh there's a lot of raping in the movie it's just like the 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 whole idea of the screenplay is like his uh, so the guy is played by Jake Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. in the thing that he wrote, uh, his wife and um, daughter get taken away from him by these like crazy people and uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson plays one of the guys, like uh, the villain, mm-hmm. and then um, so they, this is in the screenplay. This is in the screenplay oh, yeah. thing that he wrote. So the idea of like the relationship ending is like his wife and daughter being taken away from him, and then they get raped and killed. So then he has to like exact revenge or whatever and try and track down these guys. No, they play out. Like, do you see this visually? The screenplay when she reads it. When you see all this stuff when she's reading it. Okay. So the moment she starts reading it, it goes to that thing. Okay. okay. So it's like it's very easily uh, to be connected or whatever. But then it's just like that, that really hit like hard. Like I was really affected by that movie, and also mm-hmm. not nominated for. Uh, best picture, cool. which I think it should have been. It was amazing. Arrival did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this was fantastic. I think Amy Adams won for Arrival, actually. Oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah. All so, right. Anyway, it was great. And then the favorite I see, and I'm just like, this fucking blows in comparison. <laughs> like, how did this get nominated and Nocturnal Animals didn't? But it's like, also, Oscars, so fucking white. Uh, no, they just don't They were matter. like, there's a lot of white people in this There's movie. a lot of powdered wigs. There actually weren't powdered wigs in the favorite, except for the guys. Um, anyway, so, yeah. Well, the guys are the ones that wore powdered wigs. That is true. Yep. All right. Well, I'm a fucking dildo. All right. Enjoy these, enjoy this ad and enjoy, um, uh, the, the, this trailer and then we'll be back in a couple minutes. Bye guys. Suck my wiener. Okay. (laughs) Zip.
All right, are you there? Yes. Okay. Hey, folks, this is Garrett Elzinga. Hey, I'm Mike. Welcome back. All right. I'm uh, sitting in my car, and Mike is at his house. We're, uh, I'm traveling on the road, and uh, yeah, so this will go up tonight. Yeah, so we just watched uh, Roma. Roma! Roma! I can't believe we um, finished it. Okay. What? Oh, oh, you were saying? Oh, I just said I can't believe we finished it. Yeah, it was uh, that was quite the ordeal, man. That was crazy. We tried to watch it yesterday at my house, and then the uh, the internet kept cutting out. So then we couldn't finish it. Yeah, so we had to watch it on our own, and I had a busy night last night. So I ended up having to watch it this morning. So this is going to be the most the freshest episode you've ever heard. Yeah. Really just finished this movie hours before uploading this episode. Yeah, I mean, I gotta I gotta rush to the hotel and try and edit it and get it up before uh, my show tonight. Yeah. So um. So yeah, this will be the freshest take. Um, Garrett, do you want to start off? Um. Uh, sure, I guess. Uh, so it is is black and white, and it is you almost forget that it is black and white. It's uh, yeah, really beautiful, and I'm glad yeah. I watched it. Like I think I think it was actually better watching it separately because I could have my own dialogue in my head and not have to think about what someone else is thinking about. Do you ever have that when you see a movie? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. But uh you're, you're like thinking of somebody else is thinking the same thing as you kinda. Yeah. And it's like I kinda yeah. I kinda liked we should watch every movie separate. No, but I kinda liked uh, <laughs> I, I kinda liked it I kinda liked it because uh I do love movies like this. It it really is like a love letter to his memories uh of when he was a kid, like, you know, forty years ago. Which it's funny because if Liam Neeson did his movie of forty years ago, it would be a lot different. Oh, that's funny. But uh, yeah, I I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely love this movie. I thought it was it was that's got to be of all of the character driven stories I've ever seen on film. That's got to be up there with like fucking I don't know, man, Citizen Kane. Like as far yeah. as like just really getting into the psyche of one character, like you really. Like, you were along for the ride with uh, Cleo this whole film. Oh, yeah. And, like, I think that the slow pacing of the beginning of the film really helps build that relationship with her and um, the other worker at the house, the family. Yep. And it's just, I mean, that, I for the first time in the history of me watching movies, shed a tear. Wow! Really? It's true. Wow. I won't say what scene yet because it's a spoiler, but um, once we get to the spoiler-free section, I'll say it. But, yeah. I uh, I felt it coming, and it all kind of hit me like a tidal wave, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Just one tear. I was like, "One tear." It was like my eyes welled up, and then like one tear popped out, like Denzel Washington getting whipped in glory. That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, not the glory thing, but that is so funny. I cry at literally every movie we watch. True story. Not everyone. I didn't at uh, the favorite. Oh well, yeah. Anywho, um, yeah, uh, this movie. This movie is just oh. It was good. Um, so, Yalitza Aparicio. Aparicio? Oh, man, I fucked that up. Yeah, you did. <laughs> the uh, Yalitza Aparicio. <laughs> she, she played Cleo, right? Yes. Give her that fucking Oscar. She Holy deserves shit, she it. She deserves it like no other. That was fucking... Dude, she did more with barely any dialogue than any female I've seen on screen this past year and i read that she was going to be a school teacher had like what eight weeks off or something and then she was like ah why not and then like yeah, it's the first had, yeah she had no idea who the director was never saw any of his movies and uh was just plucked out of obscurity and she fucking annihilated it was so, was good. so good so good i mean like this is this is one of those movies too, where yeah, there was a large cast, but I mean, this was her show. Like, this it's was, yeah, it's her this movie. Her movie. Um, yeah. Should we get to the spoiler section? Yeah. Before we get to that, though, I would like to talk about uh, just just the. If you are a cinematography fan, you have to see this movie. Yeah. 
I mean, this movie is just so beautiful, man. And the way the camera is, like, the the panning sorry, of it, uh, the way the camera is and the panning of it, like that, that is strictly uh, as um, a ghost. That camera, like it doesn't get involved, it doesn't interact. It's not yeah. like a documentary crew. It's it's it is like a documentary in that what a documentary should be. Like it, uh, you yeah, know, the camera always seems like it's looking from a distance. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this I can't crap my pants enough about how amazing. And then we talked about uh, the DP in this movie is Apostle Quran. So like, this is a movie where it's like. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to look into it to see how many other movies he has a DP for, or if he does he, his own. He actually, uh, yeah, I, I looked this up. He actually picked to do this himself because he was going to have someone else do it, and then they couldn't do it. So he didn't want to hire an English speaking DP to translate everything to them. So he just did it himself. I mean, this he should do all of his movies like that. Like, I mean, but also the other Gravity that that DP is great. But uh, and Children of Men as well. I mean, he. I think he's just a fucking talented guy. I love Alfonso Cuarón. Well, this movie is just so personal, and it's just yeah, so like you can tell that it's a love letter to his love of film. Yeah, because I mean, this movie has no frills. There's no. There's nothing flashy about it. The plot is so basic, but it conveys so much emotion, and you feel so many things. And it's literally just from the one amazing performance from the lead actress and the amazing cinematography from Apostle Quran. Yeah. Mean, I, I, I can't... I, I'm getting chills just talking about the movie right now. But every, the nice thing about it, too, is that it is it is a big cast, but everyone does their part. Like, there's three kids in the movie. They're fucking annoying as shit. Uh, but of course they are, because they're kids. Of course. They're the most accurate... There's, there's, four repre- kids. there's four kids. Oh, there's four. Yeah, 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 that's right. There's three boys and one little girl. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about the girl. Uh, but they're, um, they're so, no, I think I forgot about one of the older kids, but, uh, they're yeah, well, the oldest son is pretty old. Like he looks, he's like 13 or something. Yeah. But they're all, they're all annoying. They're at each other's throats. And, uh, but that's just how, that's how kids are. That's the most accurate representation of family life. Like, yes. you know, it's almost like close encounters of the third kind with uh, Richard Dreyfus. Like that, I, I feel like that's another perfect, uh, accurate representation. Except for the aliens part. Well, no, I just mean the family life. Like, the, you know, bickering <laughs> and constantly and blah, blah, blah. And the dad is a fucking douchebag. Speaking of douchebag dads, douche dad. how about hey! this dad? Yeah, buddy. Um, all right, so everybody, that was the spoiler-free section. Um, see this movie. You have Netflix. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to ask if you have it. You have Netflix. This movie is on Netflix. There is no excuse for you not to see this film if you like our podcast. Yep. And you know our taste in film, and you know when we recommend something, we're not fucking around. Just get go watch this goddamn movie. Get past the first fifteen minutes because it's it's all set up, and the moment that happens, what that does is it cues you in to being like, this is how the movie's gonna be. So once you accept that, it's it's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah. But I will say I will I will warn that this movie is not going to be for everybody. I can no. I'm sure there are a lot of people that aren't going to like this. No, it's oh shit. Hold on. Uh, my car went off. Mike is off air. Hold on. Do 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 do. All right. I have you playing through the speaker, big boy, and it turned mm. off. So what what were you saying? Um, no, I was saying. Um, I mean, if you listen to our show, if you're one of our casual listeners who isn't really super into movies, this movie might not be for you. But if you're one of our like hardcore cinephiles who love our deep dives and our perspective on film, you are going to fucking love this movie. Yeah, it's really good. This yeah, better really, be good. Spoiler free, done. Spoiler section. Uh, a lot of shit happens in a movie where nothing really happens. <laughs> oh man, I I feel like it's all internal. It's all a lot of uh, emotional strife. Well, I mean, there's a lot, but there's a lot of outward stuff happening too. I mean, you think about the whole movie is kind of this dichotomy of like a nine-month span of this maid's life with a family in Mexico, and, um, and you see like there's some sort of conflict going on. I don't know much about Mexican history. Yeah, um, that's a that, sort of that's a real thing sorry. that happened. Yeah, I figured it was. Yeah, but like there's a conflict going on, and like this family is just trying to live their life essentially in the midst of this conflict and. Even Cleo's story kind of intertwines in and out of it with, like, her relationship with her 
quote unquote boyfriend. Oh fuck um, that for me for me. Ugh. For me, yeah. Who who uh, was training to be a fucking guerrilla warfighter? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The, the Mexican government they they train these guys to go in, uh, and like you know basically combat these college students, and then they ended up shooting and killing the college students, and. Uh, yeah, the Mexican government tried to backpedal or whatever, and that's a, that's a true story that happened in uh, 1971 or 70, I think it was. 71. Yep. 71. It was after New Year's, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so like the movie's just it's based on this this woman Cleo who's the maid of this wealthy upper middle class Mexican family, half Mexican, um, half uh, American transplant. It looks like. Um, and they just try to navigate their own lives where, you know, the, the father, the father of the patriarch of the family, he abandons their family towards the beginning of the film. And the guys are going on a work trip, but then you actually see him throughout their, their little hometown. Yeah, he throughout just, the whole film. He never he left. In and out. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> and, and then literally uh, the scene where, like one of the boys sees him like coming out of a movie theater and the one kid's like, hey, that's your dad. He's like, no, it's not. Like, yeah, fuck it is. yeah, exactly that. And then when uh, Cleo's going to the hospital trying to deliver the baby or whatever, he's like, "Oh, Cleo, you'll do great." And then she's like trying to internalize, like, "I have, I have to give birth," and also, "Fuck you," like all those that you see it on her face, and it's just, yeah. uh because like wow. it's obvious that Cleo genuinely loves this family she works for. Like, she oh loves yeah, the kids. She loves the mother, um, Sophia. Her name, Sophie. No, that's the um, daughter. Well, one of the daughters' name is Sophie. I think I'm pretty sure the mother's name is Sophie as well. Oh, well, that's dumb. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> My dad's name is Garrett. <laughs> but I mean, like, she's like, it's one of these things where, like, I've never had a maid. Um, Garrett, have you had a maid? Nope. <laughs> um, but I mean, if you're a maid who like lives in the home and you're there every day for the birth of these kids and all these milestones, you're obviously going to feel like a part of the family. Oh yeah, for sure. I and just they're they're very good about making her part of the family. Yeah. Well, that's the true story. It's uh, dedicated to um, oh, I forgot her name, L- Lilo. No, that's that's uh, from Lilo and Stitch. Uh, <laughs> God damn it, whatever. But it's dedicated to her because that's uh, you know she's the actual uh, maid for Alfonso's family from when he was younger. Oh, she's yeah, still I did not know that. yeah, she's still alive. She has cameoed in a, a couple of his films. Yeah, so um so yeah, the mother's name is Sophia, the daughter's name is Sophie. Tits. Um but um but yeah, so you've got the story of like the, the father always popping up in and out, and then you've got Sophia gets impregnated by a guy who she's seeing. A guy who likes to do martial arts naked because he's the killer from Bad Die Hard Two. Dude, uh, big um, old big old balls on that guy. You did have some large balls. It's funny, when we saw the the beginning of the movie, there was graphic nudity and um, disturbing images. So I was like, my thought, I said to Garrett, I'm like, oh, well, someone's probably going to get raped in this movie. Yep, no. Nope. all it was was this guy training martial arts naked because you yep. see his dick. Yeah, that was graphic nudity, baby. Oh, so graphic. It, oh, man. <laughs> I came twice. I think the disturbing image does come later in the film, which I'll get to in a second. Yep. But um, she's impregnated by this guy. He leaves her. She tries to go find him. She finds out that he's been training in martial arts for what she thinks is the Olympics, although I believe she knows it's something else because he even says, when she says, oh, uh, for the Olympics? And he says, something like that. And when he goes, we're going to go kill some people. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely not that. It's, uh, yeah, he's yeah. A, God, he's a piece of shit. He's a terrible guy. Um, but, yeah, so then she ends up giving birth to this baby during this uprising that's happening uh, while she's buying a crib. Yep. And it's a very, it's, there's so many, so I, I was looking forward to one of his long takes. There's a lot of long takes in this movie. Two of them stuck out to me the most. One was the take where she's going into labor yep. um, at this furniture store. And it starts off very peaceful. They're in the furniture store. Uh, she's got um, the grandmother of the household. She's there to buy her a crib for her baby. Um, and it's very calm. And then all of a sudden you hear, Chaos kind of runs out the window, and the camera slowly pans toward the window, and you just see bedlam breaking loose in the street. Yeah. And then the camera pans back inside where you see a guy running in, and uh, he says, you know, they're trying to kill me, they're trying to kill me, and he's just a student, a kid, and you see all these guerrilla fighters come in, and they execute the guy in the furniture store. Yep. 
And then uh, Cleo, uh, the camera, such a fucking great place on the camera, too, because all you see is a gun coming to frame. Yeah. And you know that Cleo and the grandmother are on the other side of the, the frame, the shot. Yep. She's not on screen, but you know they're there because Alfonso Cuaron is so goddamn good at blocking it. You know where everybody is in the room at yeah. the time, even if they're not on screen. And then the camera pulls back, and you see the guy holding the gun. It's fucking Vermeer. Vermeer. For me, whatever. Fuck him. That's yeah, saying. that fucking douchebag. Like, what are you? Yeah, what are you gonna kill her? Are you gonna kill her? You fucking puss. Are you gonna kill her? What are you gonna do? Like, he's such a fucking like that. I think that is the idea of toxic masculinity, where it's like you think you're like he threatens to kill her uh, earlier when she confronts him about it being her baby. And when I use the phrase confront, uh. His baby, sorry. When I use the phrase confront, I mean meekly let know. Like, just the... the yeah. It, it's, it's yours. No, it's a fucking... Not. And he fucking, like, almost hits her with a staff. It's like, Jesus Christ, you fucking insane piece of shit. Like, and then the moment there is just like, oh my God, I've made a mistake. Like, you can just feel... You can feel these feelings because they're so relatable to anybody. Like, yeah. that that's the idea that I love about this movie. It is in Spanish. And um, uh, Max, Max, uh, something, another language. It's like the slang. It's like a dialect of Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like it, this transcends everybody, every race, culture. You can. You relate. can watch this movie with no uh, captions at all. It could be a silent film. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. it it's incredible. But anyway, yeah. Back to the back to the uh, the crib the crib store. So yeah, so that's the first one take, and then she now is going to labor. She has to go to the hospital. She has to go to the hospital in the middle of this uprising. So the hospital is just packed. You know, there's all these injured people. Um, this is another scene where we see the father um, Antonio, uh, the the, uh, the disappearing father. He pops his head back out and wishes her luck in giving labor. And then she gives birth to a stillborn. Ooh, doggy. And it is all in one take from when she sits down in the bed in the surgery room to when they pull the baby out to when they try to resuscitate the baby to when they ask her if she wants to hold the dead baby. Uh. She then holds the dead baby and cries staring at it. And then the doctor's like, we got to take it away. And then they wrap it up and put it on a fucking table next to her. And Uh. one tear fell out of my goddamn face. Dude, I, I I wanted to cry. I didn't cry at this movie, but I think it's because I was watching it sideways on a Mac MacBook. But um, I think it's because my first thought was, what if that happened to my fucking daughter? And then I lost my shit. <laughs> yep, that'll do it. Well, you're a good. I mean, you're my, a good dad. You don't you don't threaten to beat someone with a bamboo stick. Yeah, I just oh, my daughter just signed up for Little League today. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, I'm pretty excited because it's finally a sport I can actually teach her and shit. And she didn't die at birth, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah, that, that stillborn scene was, Jesus Christ. Dude, that was fucking brutal. Jesus. Yep. True story. True story. That happened. Ugh. Uh, yeah, so then, you know, then she, uh, she goes through a bit of a depression, obviously, after this happens, and then the family takes a trip, and I'm not even touching on, like, the family dealing with the fallout of their father leaving. Oh, yeah, the I mean. They handled it pretty well because they're kids, but the wife just unraveled. Oh, man. she does. She destroys her car in that weird little uh, parking thing. Um, the parking poop gate. Yeah, dude, that was fucking nuts. The like, whenever the dad came home, it was like, uh, you know, the king is arriving basically, and that fucking car, trying to get that car into there, and like, almost smashing it, and then slightly hitting the mirror, reversing. Oh, it was just this big long ordeal. And then later, you know what she cares about the car. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later, when you see her do it, she just rams right in there because she couldn't give two fucks about the car or the house or her marriage. Like it's unraveling, and ah, oh, it's just nuts. It's like yeah, the guy's priorities were extremely misplaced. Oh yeah, it's a fucking asshole. And this is another thing about this movie. It's just another another way of just telling a story without saying anything. Like, yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's like when we watched The Favorite. Like how how I, I liked. I've always said this before. I'll fucking repeat it till I die. I love when a movie treats its audience like they're smart. Yep. Like this, well, this movie just lets you figure everything out on your own. It doesn't tell you that she's the maid. You figure it out. I mean, at first you kind of think maybe it's her house, but then you realize, okay, well, she's obviously the maid. You fucking you realize that the father has left the family. You realize even even when he's leaving to go on his like his work trip or whatever, like when he first is under the guise of actually leaving for work. And the way the wife hugs him, you know that she knows he's never coming back. Yep, absolutely. 
Like it's it's just ugh, I'm fucking I can't brag enough about how great this movie was, man. Like it's just a, a master masterpiece in how to tell a character story. Yeah. Oh jeez. So I think we have to have All a. Right. Oh, what about the uh, the last one take, which is technically not a one take. Oh yes, you're right. You're right. I forgot. I almost forgot about that. The uh, the, the so. Go yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. So they take that trip because uh, you know the family's unraveling. She lets the kids know, uh, and then they go to the beach. They're at the beach. Um, Cleo is supposed to watch the two kids, um, and, and they're playing in the water. Uh, says, don't go farther than the shore, basically. And then she goes to take the other kid, which the other the other kid has this underlying story where it's like, when I was older, I was a sailor. Or when I was older, I was a something or whatever. And every time, like, yeah. I want to go back and watch it again because the first time he does it, I want to see if that's foreshadowing for what happens later. Because this is definitely foreshadowing because he says, I was a sailor. I died during a storm. The waves were huge. And then you're like, oh, something's wrong here. And then she ha- and Cleo can't swim also. So she has to run to the water and try and get these kids. And this is a big, long take. So it's just like you see the panic on her face. You see her starting to run. You see her slowly like trying to find these kids in these huge waves that were tiny as shit a second ago. And then yeah. um, it, it's like she finds these kids or whatever. She rescues them, brings them back to the shore. That's like and it's not certain even during the scene that she's going to find the kids. No, it's not certain at all. And you like the earlier when uh, one of the kids uh, ran farther ahead and she's running through traffic trying to get the kid. Like that's another thing where it's just like it's always and that that's children. That's having children and that's being uh, you know a caretaker. But this whole one long shot is actually a bunch of different takes. Um, put together seamlessly and the water is digitally altered so it makes it look like the waves are higher because she like the actress also couldn't swim uh, but it's really? yeah it's fucking oh. amazing it, it's it's so just astounding it's so astounding I think that's a good word for it the way that everything was put together and uh, the big climax it is. It's. It's funny how this was the climax, and I didn't even realize it. Like I, I wanted more movie, but that's not how yeah. life is. Like it. It just. I could watch a series of this. I movie. could too. Like I, I, I could watch a ten season series of just Cleo's life. Yep. Absolutely. I really wish we could go back and redo our Oscar pick special. Well, I mean, I think we have to have an addendum. I think she's best actress, and. Um, for well, sure. I did, actually, I think I did pick her. Um, I picked Roma for Best Picture, I think. Oh, did you? I think so. Well, let me pull up the Oscar picks. I do have to get going pretty soon. So let... I got to call in like four minutes. Ooh, four so minutes. Let's just, um, uh, yeah. Hold let's on. Just, uh, let's, go with the, let's go with the ratings. Garrett, what do you think of this movie? Um, I loved it. I think uh, I'm going to give it a nine. I'm going to give it a nine. Um, Amours backwards, because that is that means love, and that means Roma backwards. Amour, Roma, Amour. Nine. Um, I love this movie. Uh, I thought it was a. Uh, I thought it was a fucking modern day masterpiece. So I'm giving it the coveted ten. Fuck off! Fuck off! Wow. Fuck off! Really good. Out of ten. Well, all right. <laughs> uh, we uh, so we both gave best best actress to Melissa McCarthy. Let's oh, man, we up on that. let's we'll take. Movie, so. I'm de- I'm changing it right now. It's it's going to this this girl, Cleo, Cleo. Yeah, call me now. Uh, <laughs> best actress, and then uh, best. Yeah, I'm giving it. It's gotta go to her. Best picture. We said Roma. All right, I thought so. I I. Uh, from what I've seen, I think so. I think it's the strongest movie. I mean, unless A Star is Born is the greatest thing, like everyone says. I don't see how Roma There's no fucking way that it is. There's no fucking way. <laughs> We're going to have to see it before the Oscars. God damn it. All right. Well, that was the episode. Guys, thank you so much. Mike has a call to do, and then I, uh, I got to head out and go to Jamestown, New York. If you guys are in Jamestown or know anybody in Jamestown, come check out Two and a Half Laughs Comedy Club. I'm going to be there with Bill Bouchart. That is tonight, 
and tomorrow, and then uh, Saturday through Tuesday, I'm in New York City hitting some shows. I'll be at Bushwick Bears on Sunday in Brooklyn, and then, um, what's the other one? Baby Shower Comedy. That's going to be on Tuesday, and that is, uh, that's going to be super, super, super fun. That's in uh, the Lower East Side, I believe. What do you got, Mike? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not doing shit. I'm just going up to do a show in East Jordan, Michigan, on Saturday night at Blue Smoke Grill or something. Well, that's fun. Uh, sell those koozies, baby. You got some koozies. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, bro. Like us on um on a uh, uh, Facebook, like our Facebook page. Give us a rating and review on iTunes. Download, subscribe, follow us on Twitter at TBBG Podcast. Um, and you know that's it. Tweet at us, guys. Tweet, twat us, tweet us, whatever. Tweet, tweet, tweet. We're pretty active on there. Tweet. All right. And I'm, I'm Mike Logan. I'm Garrett Elzinga. And that, and that was, was amazing. Good. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I thought we were doing good. It's all right. Either or. All right. I'm Garrett Elzinga. I'm Mike Logan. And that, that was, was amazing. Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ. Oh, we're doing amazing again? I, I thought so. I'm Garrett Elzinga. I'm Mike Logan. And, and that, that was, was amazing. amazing. Okay, we got it now. All right, baby. Have a good one, bud. Bye. Another episode podcast. Join hosts Matt Harper and Mandy Elaine with their new podcast each week as they dive into the movies that shaped their childhood. In a world with too many podcasts, another episode beats the odds and stands alone atop the list of great podcasts to discuss movies like Groundhog Day, The Breakfast Club, Stand By Me, and many more. Listen to another episode podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podbean. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Another episode podcast. Hey, movie lovers. I'm Dan Curry from Game Goose. Do you enjoy listening to sincere reviews of video games? If so, give Game Goose Podcast a shot. My pals, Clinton and Neil, join me in analyzing and dissecting the weekly developments of the video game world. We'll make sure you're up to date on everything video game related, talk about the history of video games, and take a dive into a unique topic every week, such as who are the best video game bosses, or what exactly is video game speedrunning. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.